Hello and welcome to GMI, the Guitar and Music Institute podcast, episode number 18. My name is Jed Brocky, and today uh, it's a double first for the podcast because I'm going to be interviewing an inventor. That's a first. And also, I'm going to be talking to two people from the company Breeze. Sheldon Lavenway is, an inv- is the inventor and his business partner, Mitch Hilton, and they come from Vancouver in Canada. If you've ever thought about inventing something or you've come up with a good idea, this is a really great podcast to listen to because it's not as easy as you would think. There's a whole lot of things that need to go into the creation of a product and getting it out to market and then marketing it and making sure that the customer is happy. Sheldon has been creating inventions for many years Today we're going to be focusing on his Breeze tri-stand for guitars and we'll also be looking into the future and also casting eye back on previous products. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, please subscribe and please leave us a comment. It would be great to have some reviews going up about this podcast. If you aren't listening on GMI, come on over to www.guitarmusicinstitute.com for lots of videos and photographs of Sheldon's work and you'll get to see both Sheldon and Mitch and find out the links for the company. I think you're going to really love this podcast. So coming up is Sheldon Lavenway and Mitch Hilton talking about the Breeze Tri-Stand. So it's great to have both Sheldon and Mitch on the other end of the line and they are speaking to me from Vancouver all the way over in Canada. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. So um, this is the first time we've ever had an inventor on the show, which uh, I always thought inventors were sort of like crazy boffins. But, Sheldon, you don't look like a crazy boffin to me. Are you a crazy boffin? <laughs> I guess we all have our, our faces behind different doors. <laughs> Absolutely. Now... Uh, what caught my eye about you was this wonderful um, way of actually uh, having a guitar stand, which was totally portable, and more importantly, it, it really is quite small. And uh, we're going to get to that later. But what I'm really interested in is all the other work that has led up to this point, to this Kickstarter project, which I find really exciting. I'm sure thousands and thousands of guitarists around the world will as well. So can you maybe tell me a little about the previous work you've done? What was the first project that you actually started, uh, well, invention that you actually came up with? I I take it it was for the guitar. Yeah, it was uh, about 25 years ago. It was, I called it the double whammy. The double whammy, Um, is that a boxing term? Yeah, and you know, I I did actually get the trademark for it, so I do own that. (laughs) Even though everybody uses it for every other term, but uh, I actually physically own that term. That's amazing. Um, (laughs) But the idea behind it was is is pretty well self-explanatory. I took a vibrato, I cut it in half, so I basically had two vibratos sitting beside each other, which allowed me to play rhythm and lead at the same time. And that was the concept at the beginning. On an electric guitar. On an electric guitar, correct find it hard enough just to play guitar, but you wanted to take it that one step further. <laughs> yeah, at, at that time, it was um, Guitar Wars days, and everybody was shredding with Steve Vai and Joe Satriani and 
Uh, of course, I was doing my part on the local bars, you know, trying to get my first prizes. And then the musicians out then were, were far superior playing than I was. So I was looking for an edge. So Sheldon, Sheldon, Sheldon what, what year are we talking about here? Uh, 1993-94. Remember it well. <laughs> Bygone years of my, well, not exactly youth, but you know what I mean. So um, how how do you go about, you've got an idea, you think, oh, that would be a great idea, and do you check to see if that's on the market already? Because it must be a bit of a bummer to go through the whole process just to find out that someone's already done it. Yeah, if yes, that would be the proper process to go through it. And, and you know, at that stage, I was quite ignorant about the process of, uh, of how to be able to go about developing it, not to mention about if anybody actually has it out there. Um, I did get a little lucky on that process because I didn't do that at the very beginning. Um, I decided to see if I could make it because it wasn't a very difficult thing to make at the very beginning because of the pressures that the strings were creating. Um, so I wasn't really had a finished product until I actually had a, a, a prototype that actually proved that it could work. So I really didn't go too far on the patent searches until I actually had a finished product. You know, when you're designing something like this, is, is there a lot of calculations needed and drawings and things like that? How, how do you go about that? At that time, there was, yes. Um, you're, you're looking at the, you know, hundred thousandth of, it, of a measurement on, on an inch. So it's, it's something that uh, a point zero zero five makes a difference when, you, when you're looking at uh, fabrication. Wow. Sheldon, I actually, years ago, I was on a, on a bus uh, going into central Edinburgh, and I thought, wouldn't it be good if guitars could tune themselves? And I had a friend who uh, taught, he was an engineer, and he taught at a, a local university, and we discussed it, but then when we started rooting around, it was already underway. But the funny thing is, that automatic tuning system has never really taken off to any great degree, which I don't understand. I mean, I still tune... Obviously, as a professional guitar player, I can tune, hopefully, my guitar. Um, and I don't really need a tuner. But for millions of people, that basic thing of tuning a guitar is quite tricky. Does that surprise you that that's never been done earlier and it hasn't taken off? Now we have it. Isn't it interesting how some products succeed in the market and where others don't? And yes, there is a question mark to that question for sure. Um, I, I think, like anything... If you have a good marketing team and you have a good product, that's only one thing in your lab. What you really need, the financial supports, and, and if anything, if the people out there really are keen on it, they're just not keen on it, and it's not because it doesn't work. It's just that it's just either before it's time or maybe after it's time. That's very, very interesting. So it's not a case of uh, build it and they will come, really? I don't see that happening through the 20 or 30 products that I've developed. But then yet, um, like anything, if nobody knows about it, then how can it actually have its its turn? Yes. And being able to speak to you way out in the UK from here is a great pleasure for us because it we're, we're worldwide now in marketing. We don't have to sit there and have a marketing plan, well, we're going to go hit UK next year. No, we can do it right here and right now. And uh, small little interviews like this go a long way. On educating people out Wait there. Wait a minute, who says this is a small interview, by the way? <laughs> well, for me, I'm a, I'm a small guy. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't hit the radar this, mark. This is, a mass, <laughs> this is a massive interview. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> so Sheldon, <laughs> I, 
Sheldon, after the double whammy, where what happened next? Um, that's where things kind of went sideways as far as people being involved in the business aspect. Um, at that time, they got a little too excited about the product and they wanted to take the product into the public market because that's what business people were doing. They were raising financing and I kind of had to go off to this, my own side because I didn't agree with what was going on at that time. And I basically was telling a lot of the investors that I brought in what was going on and there was a how can I say it? There was, they were not hearing the full truth of where the company's direction was going. Were they trying to make you design, redesign, or push the product in a certain way that was against your initial uh, idea and concept? No, it wasn't actually the product itself that was uh, being uh, more the politics. It was the political aspects of how the company was going to go into a public company when it just basically started out with myself, and then. Three years, four years later, all of a sudden, it hasn't proven itself. And now the people that are involved in the business aspects are trying to move it into a public company arena. And I felt very uncomfortable with that. And it, it, it seemed quite unethical for the people that first started out with this and put the money in. And it just didn't seem like I could get control of them. So I decided to step aside. And then the company... Sorry, you, you, you cut out there. What was that last bit? Then the company... Well, about a year, maybe a year and a half down the road, the company actually got stopped by the government. Um, they were doing, I don't know exactly what went on, but some of them went to court. Um, I wasn't even notified or even told uh, what happened, but some of them lost their vehicles and homes and stuff like that. Uh, that, that sounds horrendous. So when did you then start uh, on your next product? Would would that be the Trim King? Um, no, I pretty well had about five others in between that. Um, they didn't go anywhere. Really. Well, no, like anything, they just sat on the shelf because uh, I didn't have the niche. I didn't have the financing. It, it the seems niche. that, yeah, you know, I can only go so far with so much. I had a lot of product on the shelf, but uh, I needed to go and, and get myself in the arena so that these products can actually have a chance. And, and so I slowed down. I started knocking on doors. It took me about another year to find a, a, a niche, which I was not necessarily looking for a person uh, for my inventing, I was looking for more of a person to help me in my musical aspects for management because I am a, a musician and I wanted to take it the next level. Uh, so I basically started looking for individuals that were into the management aspect of it all. And, and somehow I got a hold of Mitch. We decided to get together and we had a lot of things that were basically on the same page. And we decided to continue. So, Mitch, this would be a good time to bring you in. Um, could you outline your uh, role within the company and and what you how you, what you bring to the party in a sense with regards to Sheldon's inventions? Sure. Well, um, uh, Sheldon's an incredible guy. He's he's very uh, uh, he's a genius when it comes to creating things or inventing things. And uh, as you kind of alluded to, he's got many things that he's he's created over the years. Um, he, uh, when Sheldon approached me, it was initially about uh, music, and I, I'm involved uh, a fair amount in in music as well. I can play the guitar. I learned it when I was young, and and uh, my wife's a singer, so we we go out and you know she's got two or three gigs a week uh, out here in Vancouver. Uh, she's a Spanish singer, so um, a very good Spanish. Singer. <laughs> so I had put. Uh, 
an ad out for anybody that uh, you know was a musician that wanted some uh, help with their management or you know getting organized. And Sheldon responded to that. I had forgotten about the ad because I put it in uh, in uh, a local website about three years before that. So what what year are we talking here, Mitch? Uh, I think I've known Sheldon since about 2012. 2012. Okay. And in fact, that year, I was also in a band with my wife. And so anyway, Sheldon came along. We had... Sorry, uh, from what you're saying, Mitch, are are you saying that you're wanting to get into band management more than what actually has happened? No, <laughs> I rethought that. <laughs> uh, but we, we vented down. That's where we met. That was the reason why we met. Right. And uh, I've been quite involved uh, with, with my wife. I, I am, a, I guess you'd call me a serial entrepreneur. I've started probably six or seven companies over my lifetime. And all of them have been successful. Um, and and uh, I'm still involved uh, quite heavily in, in three other companies beside, uh, besides uh, the company that Sheldon and I have formed here. Um, so... I knew a lot. I know a lot about marketing, and I know a lot about running a business and and the financing behind it, and the systems you have to put in place, and all of that. I I could see that Sheldon that well, his his story when he came to me is he's had a, a couple of bad experiences dealing with other business partners and and other companies, and uh, they seem to have wanted to take his sort of golden goose uh, invention and uh, run with it uh, in spite of him or without him. And that, that's kind of helped uh, or ha- happened to him a, a couple of times. So when Sheldon showed me some of his inventions, I thought they were incredible. And being a guitar player myself, I, th- I thought the the easiest and uh, the first thing that we should approach the market with was this guitar stand. So uh, that's what we've done, even though he, he actually invented that, I think, what, about seven or eight years ago. Yes. That's what we did. We started the Kickstarter campaign. It's in with the manufacturer right now where we're working on the, the molds and what needs to happen to get this uh, first uh, product out. We're getting a, a test shipment of a thousand uh, sent our way here, hopefully in the next month or so. Okay. And well, before we get too far in, in, into to all of that, Mitch, um, because uh, I want to look at the Breeze Tri-Stand and in, in it's, it's from beginnings to, to where where we are now. Um but isn't it's so true, isn't it, that the creative people tend to I well they don't have a handle on the business aspects of side side of things, or worse, they basically get used by people who are interested in money. Whereas for creative people, right. they're more interested in the creativity part of things, but they do have to live as well. <laughs> yes, exactly. What I saw happen to Sheldon in the past is very unfair, and and I'm. My businesses, uh, all of them, uh, are a big thing that they operate on is integrity. So, you know, to mention that, that I'm in the one of my businesses is a uh, North America wide freight brokerage company. So um, it's really built on relationships with uh, the shippers and the carriers that it deals with. And uh, integrity is very high. So and I found out uh, if my person through personal experience, I've had some bad experiences, too, with business people. There's good ones out there and there's bad ones out there like anything else. And I found that the, the best way to go is to be straight and true. Well, great, great to you. Uh, Sheldon, it, it seems fantastic that you've met someone like Mitch. This must have completely changed the landscape for you and, and almost like freeing you up just to 
be creative and invent in a sense. Well, I wish I could say that, but it took me three years to actually get them on board. <laughs> I mean, we, we talked and talked and, you know, we did a few musical uh, things. But the thing about it is that um, Mitch was very busy. If you're going to take on something, you have to take it on. And this is not something you just do lightly. If you're going to do it, you're going to, you have to fairly pay attention to all the steps that it takes to do this. And, and it's quite expensive as well. So it wasn't an easy decision for Mitch to take me on as a business partner because it, it is a, a business. And, and there's lots of things that you have to do to achieve. It's not something you can just jump in and guide someone through it. you you got to do it yourself. And, and myself, I'll learn as I go through uh, to hopefully take over the reins eventually so that Mitch can be free and and do some of his part of things that he wants to do in life but uh, i just appreciate the fact that i have someone that's actually taking care of my interests for both our sides not just the fact that it's uh, for money it's also for the musician too and he he sees that part that's important mitch well if you're a successful business uh, well you are a successful businessman why bother well ever since i was a, a kid i was always interested in in entrepreneurial and new ideas or doing things uh, you know you know first business i started was with my brother and my father uh and uh we were importing i don't know if you remember eight tracks <laughs> yes uh, yes very much uh, i'm much older than i look you know mitch <laughs> <laughs> so am i <laughs> so uh uh back then this was the late 70s uh we we the three of us uh flew to japan and got the uh, rights to uh distribute the Mona cassette adapter. You could put a cassette tape in it and plug it into an 8-track machine. And, and my uh, my brother was the president, and he was in grade 11. That is a, an incredible story. <laughs> so we were selling to Amway and a bunch of other places. But uh, anyway, since that time, I've always been, uh, you know, I worked in the airlines for a while, and, and uh, as a travel agent since 1989, I reactivated that original business that was importing. And uh, I've been building businesses ever since. So when Sheldon came along, I've, I've always been, you know, keen on inventions and that sort of thing and gadgets. And, and I love music. Also, I have musicians all around me and I see how they struggle to, you know, even get paid to, to do their craft. It's, it's interesting you should say that, Mitch, because the last podcast that I did was a personal podcast. A band came up from England and basically ripped me off for... And I don't know what it would be in Canadian dollars, but it was £300. I eventually got the money, but I don't think I got it from the band leader. And it's the first time in a 30-year professional life I've been lucky. That was the first time I was ever ripped off. What is the outgame for you, Mitch, in all of this? I mean, where do you want to take this and where do you see you stepping aside, if at all? The way we formed the company is that Sheldon is the president and he's the majority owner, so it's his company. And uh, I'm here to guide him and help him uh, wherever I can. Uh, in the early days here, I, I've jumped in and done things, uh, you know, the marketing and, and some of that uh, myself or with the help of uh, my son who helps me with digital marketing. And he's also a musician. Uh, he's got a band in Montreal. Where, where I'm taking this is, is I, I uh, am hoping and expecting that this is going to be the life changer for Sheldon here. And... Uh, you know, I'll I'll get something out of it at the end of the day if the company's successful, and I expect that it will be. Have you ever heard of a program called Dragon's Den? Yes, it's a, it's a little <laughs> like this. It's Sheldon's come to you with a proposal, and you saying, "Why should I give my grandchildren's money in a lie to you?" Was it a bit like that right. in the early days? Yeah, well, a little bit, but uh, we've raised the money together. Um, you know, and I've been kind of working with him. 
Sheldon, you know, has been uh, self-employed for quite a few years as well. So it's not like he doesn't know how to run a business, but it wasn't in his chosen profession. It was, uh, you know, he was doing renovations and other things. If I can just, uh, if, if we, you know, we became friends after we met, and uh, if I can help him out, then uh, that'll be a great thing. That's a fantastic story. So, Sheldon, we've, I've not been talking to you uh, enough, although what Mitch has to say is, has been very, very interesting and actually quite heartwarming, to be honest. Um, tell me all about the Breeze Tri-Stand. I know Mitch was trying to take uh, take that away from you, but now it's over to you. What what caused um, what caused you to think of this? It, in many ways, the best inventions are the most obvious. It seems quite an obvious thing, but you know, obvious things aren't always created. Can you tell me about how it all started and how it's developed? Um, well... The stand was designed about six, seven years ago, and why I designed it was for the simplest fact of to try and have the smallest collapsible stand in the world. And I, I'm not trying to claim it that that's what it is, but that's the direction that I wanted to go. And it was a real simple um, direction. We started seeing foldable canes, uh, uh, tents that basically come out of, their, out of their case and they put themselves together. Added, that pretty well was a, a very simple adaption to what I wanted to do to the guitar stand. My auntie has always had a problem with her sight. In the last 20 years, she's had a, a, a collapsible cane. And it reminded me, it, the way it folded up, it was just like the blind person's cane, you know, that sort of has that elastic in it and it sort of pulls together. And, and the cool thing about it is that it being the first guitar stand that puts itself together, and second... When do people actually can get a patent claim on a guitar stand these days? So I had to think outside the box to sit there and design something just to be able to actually have a patent claim on it so that nobody else is able to sit there and, and take advantage of my particular design. And to do that, um, I, this collapsible stand was one area, but the little plastic piece that the tubes were actually inserted in was the area where actually I got the patent claims in. And that that's kind of like the... So you, little, little area. And you had a lot of trial and error on that. Yes. That yeah, making that work. But it was so simple that the, it was obvious that the way I was going about it was to get the least amount of parts involved in the, in the stand itself. So less pins, less screws, less parts of every other kind of thing down to the bare minimums. And when I first started out with the stand, it wasn't like a tri-stand. Uh, tri it only had two arms. And then it had a little string from the top that held onto the bottom of the guitar. So it was sort of that at the very beginning. And it worked like that, but then you bump the guitar sideways, it would fall. And obviously it needed another leg. And then it started to, I said, well, why don't I create a product out of this? So then I started going and making the final end of design of it, which was a bag that would be placed directly on the ground. So the weight of the guitar itself is right on the ground, which is no other stand out there has that kind of uh, support, which is directly on the ground. And then the support where the um, TP design, where the two legs are at the back of the guitar stand. Well, if you look at other guitar stands that are out there, they're exactly the opposite. The two big legs are in the front of the stand and the little legs are in the back of the stand. So the stand is actually quite easy to knock over. I'm looking around at a guitar stand right now and you're absolutely bang on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so if you go right to where the neck is joined on to the guitar stand and push it sideways, it falls over quite easy. Well, with my design, it actually there's no way you can push it down because the leg stops it from moving anywhere. It doesn't want to go anywhere. It doesn't want to go anywhere. So 
And on top of that, the, the X part of it, which is like this, it actually kind of locks the neck in there just as a, a, a you know, a sort of, it doesn't lock it, but it sort of like makes it's it. It's by a friction fit. Friction fit, yeah. yeah. So it, it'll actually hold it quite well. And I've tried knocking them over quite a bit. <laughs> so um, you see that whole patent patent thing is that must be a real minefield is it not i i remember being in uh, germany i was going over to see uh, i was in a band and we it was a guitar quartet it, it didn't play classical music it was a meld it was called sgq scottish guitar quartet and it was a meld of all different styles of music and we all ended up playing frameworks guitars by this incredible man in southern germany called frank crocker and he developed this sort of almost wire-type frame guitar, which is just a piece of wood in the middle. I say just, mm -hmm. but you'd have to go and look it up, look up Frameworks guitars, and it's got the MIDI and everything in it. And I remember meeting Frank in Frankfurt, and he had just had a big lawsuit or something with one of the major guitar companies, which he had won. And I always remember thinking, is this a Pyrrhic victory? And, of course, within five years, guess what? You can now go, Yamaha have got them, I think, Aria have got them. How do you prevent these ideas? Because once it's out there, do they not need to just make a couple of wee changes here and there, and that changes everything? And and also, finally, isn't it really expensive to get a worldwide patent on things? Uh, yes, it takes a lot of money to, to get the patents put in place, and that's, uh, that's the thing that, you know, why we had this, these delays to get started, because we knew we had to get patents going up front. Um, the uh, other thing is, um, you know, our approach is, you know, we'll, we'll get it out there and y you may be right, there might be twists and turns to that and may not be worth doing the, the legal fight when somebody else comes up with a copy or whatever, but we'll, we'll, you know, have to face that when it happens. In the meantime, we just want to get a good product out there and, uh, and something that's a real benefit to people and, and musicians. And uh, it's not just the guitar. The first thing that's coming out is the guitar stand, but Sheldon's uh, developed uh, stands for all sorts of other instruments as well. You are listening to the Guitar Music Institute with me, Jed Brocky. I'm in discussion with Sheldon Lavenway and Mitch Hilton. And Sheldon is a designer and an inventor of products You'll find it all about Sheldon and Mitch on the Guitar Music Institute website, which is at www.guitarmusicinstitute.com. So if you are listening to this on iTunes or any of the other downloads around the world, come on over because we've got plenty of things to show you about this incredible partnership who are making fantastic products for musicians around the world. So guys, we've got the guitar stand. How long do you think it's going to be until we're actually going to be able to get our greasy little hands on them? Sheldon's working with the manufacturer now to get the the uh, first round, first line off, off the production line. And depending on the quality of those, uh, then we will go quickly to uh, manufacturing uh, other orders. And so, you know, our hope is that uh, we'll have uh, the stands in people's hands <laughs> uh, some, so at some point uh, this fall. And it's uh, autumn. Yeah, yeah, autumn for you. <laughs> Mitch, the stand in the hand, that could be the strap line here for, for <laughs> the stand in the hand. 
That's one of the things that we see on, on the Kickstarter is the, it's the world's uh, only stand you can hold in your hand. <laughs> so so we're, we're looking at, we're looking at um, well, it's not too far away because autumn or the fall is nearly upon us, right? Hopefully within three months we'll have it in people's hands. So is it being manufactured in America or Canada or is it getting sourced out to China? Sourced out to China. <laughs> uh, good luck with That's that one. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to find out. So far, so good. So how, how do you go about making sure, uh, I mean, is it all made in a one hour or is there elements to the design and you can check up on the, the product quality, the design, uh, the actual manufacturer quality as you go along? Or is it just a case of you get the stand and then you say yes or no? Uh, well, Sheldon has been back and forth with them and you may want to comment on yeah, that because um, we don't want the stand until he's he's got all that sorted out well the funny thing about manufacturing is that um, until the manufacturer gets the prototype and sees how they're actually going to manufacture some pieces are going to be doing molds some pieces are going to be doing cnc some pieces they'll be actually physically doing with their hands um, when they figure out those pieces i mean that actually helps me finalize on the actual design of what the piece will turn out like cosmetically. Sheldon, what's CNC? CNC is a computer-operated um, milling machine. The lathe milling machine, it just pretty well, you put a piece of chunk of steel inside it and uh, you'll get a finished product. Wow. And, you know, I think I've seen that on YouTube. It'll look amazing. Yeah, and they, they got laser printers now doing a lot of stuff now that CNC's couldn't do because of the 3D type of aspect. So there's a lot of new stuff coming out that uh, manufacturing is just going to exploded within the next 10 years. The, the other question that comes to my mind, and this is for all manufacturers around the world, how do you maintain the quality, the manufacturing quality? You know, is that a worry when you're when you're creating something new that is going to be good at the beginning and maybe it's not going to be so good in six months? How, how does that all work? Well, okay, there's the way I went about it is I designed a simple product first off. Um, I have designed technical products in the past and yes, they are very difficult to maintain the high quality through different types of runs. This particular product is a simple product. There's only one or two areas that are fine-tuning elements, and they usually are, are spotted out be, right after the manufacture. So that if there's any defects or anything else, it, it'll show right there and then when they're going to put the product together. So it's a very simple product. Um, the only thing about it, though, is like anything, until you actually get a product delivered and you put it through its trials and tests of strengths, as well as cosmetics to, do, does it look nice enough to actually sell? Or do, can I bring my pricing down low enough for someone to actually say that's worth purchasing? Those are the things that you fine-tune at the very end. I can't really see what a thousand units are going to look like and then say, you know, you got to change one piece and then the next one be that one piece is changed and then there's another piece changed. you got to kind of nip it right at the very beginning on the sample before you make the thousand units. Mm -hmm. So that's where it takes a lot of attention. I guess, and if you excuse the pun, guys, this product will stand or fall on the security that it offers the actual guitars themselves. I mean, I mean, I have a, a very expensive guitar. There's no way I'm going to put it on a stand if I don't think it's going to be secure. Absolutely. Yeah, is it made out of plastic or is it metal? It's aluminum. Oh, uh, aluminium. Okay, and and I and I guess all the will you bring out videos to show how secure things are because sometimes in people's heads I think if something's portable and very quickly put up and down, you know, it doesn't have that rigidity and that strength. That, that it's just a false perception, perhaps. But people people's perceptions sadly are very powerful, aren't they? That's right. 
from my experience in uh, in playing with the uh, the prototype, uh, it's a very solid guitar stand. Uh, Sheldon says uh, it's hard to knock over your guitar. It's very easy to do, do it on most of the uh, the stands that you you can buy today. But in this case, uh, because it's right there and it's on the ground and it's it's three points, no matter even if it's an uneven surface, it's very solid on the ground. That's great, Mitch. Actually, before we move on to talk about your future plans, maybe if you could just uh, tell us a wee bit about that. Sheldon, is there any chance of you sending me some... Do you have any blueprints of the old design? Or I don't know if you can even do... Not blueprints, but just sketches or anything that I could put on the website. Or maybe that's something that you can't... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Is that... Oh, yes, we do. Could you email me? That would be brilliant, because it would be great for people... that today for you, Jeff. That would be Absolutely. absolutely fantastic. And... Once the thing comes over, here's the big ask. I'd love to review this product. Sure, that would be great. If you're willing to take a, you know, if I didn't like it, I, I don't do this product's amazing because, you know, I know the guys. I, I just tell it if I see it. But, but to be honest, from what I've seen, it looks fantastic, actually, I've got to say. So moving on, you said there was other things in the pipeline. I'm sure you can't talk about them all, but is there anything you could give us a little sneak a preview or the design of the product really hasn't changed it's just more of the the um, size of it um, because of what it actually is the shape of it I can actually use 10 other different instruments with this particular design which is violins uh, ukuleles uh, clarinets small horns um, they all are gonna this stand can pretty well carry all of them just because of the way it is and, and I will send you a picture of uh, of several different types of instruments on these stands so you can, you know, physically see that, you know, okay, it will work. You would think that the biggest listenership to this would be in Scotland and in Europe, but it's not. The most people that listen to this show, 60% of them are in America. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah, when I said America, that was terrible. North America, sorry, excuse <laughs> me. So they've got the stands, and that sounds really... That could just run and run. I mean, if this is successful, it could be absolutely amazing and revolutionise the way that people uh, actually put their instruments beside them. Is there anything else you can tell me that's in the pipeline? Not that that isn't enough, because that's amazing in itself. Uh, you know what, Jed? I wish I could. Um, we have several that are on our shelf. But the issue here is, is right now we need to succeed on one. And uh, the other stuff needs to have its turn to properly be protected, properly be designed and manufactured, and then I can properly introduce it if it goes through the right tests. Uh, to pre-jump what I've already got done as a prototype stage may not be the best thing for me to do right this time. Absolutely. You can, you can, uh, absolutely. You, you understand why I would ask such a crass question, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, guys, I am so excited about this. It's been an absolute delight. It's the first double interview I've ever done. So there's another first, two firsts in one podcast. Is there anything you would like to add before we wind this up? Well, uh, maybe just to mention about our Kickstarter campaign it's on right now. And uh, if this if they're listening in the future, then uh, just our website, uh, um, you know, they can find out more about uh, future products and things like that. If this is in the future on our uh, on our website. And of course, all of that information will be put on the Guitar Music Institute's website on the specific page that is for that's for Sheldon and Mitch's business. All the links to their Kickstarter campaign and to their website 
will will be there along with hopefully some really interesting fo- uh, photographs or uh, diagrams from development work which well I, I don't know maybe I'm just I, I'm an anorak I found this really interesting so if you're listening <laughs> if you're listening to this around the world and you are like me an anorak then get yourself over because it, it, it's <laughs> going to be really interesting so guys all, all that I've got left to say is thanks for giving me the time to do this interview it's been a real pleasure to to meet and talk with you and uh, it's actually quite a heartwarming story of not the rich businessman screwing the 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 artisan and artist down but actually working together to to see a brighter future which actually benefits many people around the world thank you and it's been a pleasure thank you jen see you guys and good luck well i don't know about you but i learned a lot in that interview and i have a lot of admiration for people who come up with ideas and then take them to market which is full of bumps along the way But I'm confident that this is a fantastic idea and one that is really going to work. So if you enjoyed this podcast, then go on over to the Kickstarter project and get right behind it. There's a whole bunch of rewards if you actually get in at this time. I'm sure Sheldon and Mitch would absolutely love your backing. If you're listening to this and it's beyond the the time frame for the Kickstarter campaign, not to worry. Look up the actual Breeze tri stand and get your hands on a lightweight, portable guitar stand. As always, thanks for listening. Come on over to www.guitarmusicinstitute.com. We've got loads of things going on there. Almost everything is free. In fact, everything is free. Uh, but we have some books for sale and we have the GMI Guitar Store, uh, Guitar Shop, which you should come on over to as well. My name is Jed Brocky, and until I have your company again, bye for now.